final week of our series called Seven Words to the Church today, where we've been going through the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. In these first three chapters, we've seen uh, different messages given to seven different churches, and we've been able to learn things for ourselves from every single one of these letters. And I've really enjoyed going through this. Uh, many of you would be aware I've actually been on holidays over the past a few weeks, and I've really enjoyed getting to watch the messages uh, and seeing some of the rest of the team being able to uh, to share from from God's word. Um, I am sorry I can't be there with you today. Unfortunately, illness does restrict that. COVID restricts me from uh, from being with you, but I'm still believing that God is going to be able to speak to us as we uh, as we open this last uh, this last letter to the seventh church, which is to the church of, uh, of Laodicea. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, me and my wife, we have been on holidays for the, uh, for the past few weeks, which I've, uh, which I've enjoyed. Um, and one of the things that my wife and I regularly do when we are on holidays is we choose uh, either a TV show or a series of movies to, uh, to watch. And this past holidays... What my wife and I, we chose to watch was the, uh, the series of movies, The Hunger Games. Uh, many of you would have seen The, the Hunger Games, but uh, for those of you who haven't, the overall premise of, uh, of The Hunger Games is there is the, the capital uh, who is made up of all the wealthy people, um, the, the wealthy few, the rich elite, and then there are the people who live in the districts who are the poor masses who provide all of the things necessary to the capital for the rich elite. Um, But the reason I I bring this up is because there's one scene in the second Hunger Games movie that always uh, draws my attention. Um, And the reason that it draws my attention is because there's certain things that I can see that parallel the world that we are in in our society in, in Australia. Um, what I'm talking about is there are two main characters who are called Katniss and Peter. And after winning the Hunger Games, uh, they are then taken to the capital and there is a big party that they get to be um, a part of. Um, now they are celebrities and this is their first experience ever of living the high life, the life with the uh, of the rich elite. And at this party... There is um, festivities, there's music, there's fireworks, and there's a lot of food, and uh, there's all of these different things to, to try. Um, but what you see in this scene is, uh, is at one stage, Peter gets really, really full. He says, I can't eat anymore. And then he's offered this little pink drink where he is told, uh, it doesn't matter if you can't fit any more food in your, in your stomach, because... This drink, this little pink drink, will make you be sick. And then uh, this will create room for more food for you to, to eat. Now, when you, you watch this scene, you're supposed to feel a little bit disgusted. You're supposed to feel um, a little bit like, how could these people in the capital possibly be having so much food and so much wealth when there are so many people in the districts who are struggling to live. Now, if you fast forward a couple of weeks, um, Sarah and I, we went to a, uh, a really nice restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants, um, and this is a buffet restaurant. They offer fish, steak, pasta, 
uh, noodles, desserts, salad. But one of the things that both Sarah and I noticed when we were at this restaurant with, was the amount of food that went to waste. Their entire uh, platefuls of food where people uh, just left them on the table after um, after they left the, the restaurant. Ultimately, all of this would just be, be thrown in, uh, in the bin. Now, when I saw this at this restaurant, although we may not think of, of any of that, uh, of, of, of leaving platefuls of food at a, at a restaurant behind as a, as a very big deal, this did make me think of some parallels between um, our society and the society that I watched in, in The Hunger Games. And if I'm honest, I found it a bit confronting because I realised that if we were going to associate with a particular group that was shown in The Hunger Games, it would be the affluent wealthy people who are part of the the capital. Now, with comfort comfort and affluence, um, we need to be pretty careful because there is a lot that Jesus has to say throughout his ministry about being uh, affluent. Um, there are blind spots and pitfalls that we might have because we have uh, many of our physical needs met. In Matthew 24, 19 to 24, Jesus says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is a pretty scary thing that Jesus says, um, as are many of the other things that Jesus says regarding affluence and, uh, and comfort. And this topic... Um, of affluence is something that is addressed in our uh, in our reading today as we look at the church in Laodicea. We're going to be looking at a church that was affluent and had every physical need met in their lives. There are many things that we can learn as we read this, as we are people who have uh, many of our physical needs met in uh, in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, I do invite you to open up to Revelation 3, 14 to 24, uh, th- uh, 14 to 22, sorry, uh, and it will be up there on the screen as well. Now, one of the things as you're turning your Bibles there, uh, one of the things you'll notice about this church that's different from the other uh, churches in the first three chapters of Revelation is that this church doesn't have any commendations. There is nothing that Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, you are doing this really, really well. Rather, everything that is said is a, is a condemnation. Um, they are not doing anything right. And although this is a hard letter to read, and would have been hard for the Laodiceans to read, um, I still think there is a lot in us, uh, a lot in this letter for us to learn today. So let's read together from Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22, which says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds and that you are neither hot, uh, neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to work through this uh, this passage of Scripture, verse by verse, and see what uh, what Jesus was saying here to the church in uh, in Laodicea. And the first thing that we see uh, addressed here in this passage is lukewarmness. Uh, the wealth of the Laodiceans has caused something that has resulted in uh, in what's called being lukewarm. Now, from an initial reading of this, it feels like what Jesus is saying. Um, is that he would rather you be zealous for him, so being hot, or being distant from him, being cold. He would rather you be either zealous or distant from him than being half-half. That's probably what you would see on an initial reading of, uh, of this passage. And I've heard this passage taught in this way, that God would... Uh, prefer you to be either extremely zealous or not even a Christian rather than being a half-hearted follower of him. Now, this understanding of the passage leaves us with several issues. Um, Why would Jesus say that he would rather you weren't a follower of him than being a a half-hearted follower? That just doesn't really seem to, to make any sense. Wouldn't Jesus rather some level of faith than no level of faith at all? Now, to really understand what is meant here, what we need to do is we need to step into the world of the Laodiceans. Laodicea, the city, was was part of an area that was made up of three primary cities, which was Laodicea, Hierapolis, and Colossae, which is where the letter of the Colossians was written to. And Hierapolis was known for having hot springs. These hot springs could reach a temperature of 95 degrees. And these, were, these hot springs were often used for medicinal purposes to bring healing to, to people's bodies. Um, now, boiling water, obviously, in ancient, ancient times was, uh, was more tedious and difficult uh, to get in the ancient world. So these springs were really seen as a means to clean and bring bring healing. That was the the springs in uh, in the in Hierapolis. Um, one of the other cities, Colossae, in the area, uh, this was known for its immensely cold water. Um, simply put, if you had been working all day in the sun in the middle of summer in Israel, Colossae was the place that you wanted to be. You wanted to be in this place where you would get a very cold drink of water. Laodicea, on the other hand, had no natural water source of their own. So what they would do is they would rely on aqueducts where they could draw water 
from uh, from these other two cities. Um, they would particularly rely on water from Hierapolis, which is where that hot water originated. Now, uh, the the distance between these two cities meant that when the water went that started out hot, when it went along the aqueducts, um, by the time it made it to Laodicea, this water wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm. It couldn't bring healing or cleanliness like it could in the same way uh, in Hierapolis because it wasn't hot anymore. It couldn't be refreshing um, because it wasn't cold like the water in Colossae. It was just there. It was lukewarm. It was not effective or useful for anything. And this helps us to, to understand what Jesus meant when he told the church in Laodicea not to be lukewarm. The church was providing neither refreshment for the spiritually weary, um, portrayed through the, the imagery of cold water from Colossae, um, nor was it bringing healing for the spiritually sick, portrayed through the imagery of hot water from Hierapolis. The church was simply ineffective and distasteful to God. Now, what led to this? What led to their um, ineffectiveness? Put simply, apathy. And what led to their apathy? Well, we see here addressed in this passage, relying on their wealth, relying on their affluence and their physical needs being met. They had stopped caring about eternal spiritual things because all of their physical needs have been met. They had stopped caring about important eternal things. Why? Because all of their physical needs had been met. This made them ineffective and useless, made them apathetic, and this is what lukewarmness is. And Jesus, we see pretty clearly in this uh, in this passage, Jesus despises lukewarmness. In uh, in the original language, the uh, the word is less spitting out lukewarmness and is more like vomiting or spewing out lukewarmness. Um, I had an experience like this this past week at our kids' holiday club. Um, on the first day of our kids' holiday club, the um, Alex, uh, who's our operations director, he was running a science activity um, where uh, where the kids had the opportunity of making sherbet, and there was a whole heap of different uh, different things needed to be able to make sherbet. Uh, but one of the uh, our young adults, who is a, a leader, decided to do was he decided to make some sherbet for me, um, which had pretty much almost all baking soda. Um, so this, uh, this young adult decided to, uh, to bring me over this so-called sherbet that he had made. He, uh, he gave me a spoon to be able to have some of it. So I took a big spoonful of what I thought was going to be sherbet because this is what they were making in the day, uh, in the activity, so I took a big mouthful of this. There was a tiny bit of sugar, but almost all baking soda. Now, I'm not sure if you've had this before, but this just sat at the back of my throat. It was terrible. All I wanted to do was get rid of this. I could not 
um, do enough to be able to try and get this this taste out of uh, out of my mouth. Now, when we read passages like this, they're pretty confronting because what do we see? We see that Jesus feels this way towards the lukewarm, apathetic church. He wants to spit it out. A um, a famous uh, preacher from the states called Timothy Keller says this that apathy is a bigger problem than atheism for Christianity. And I really agree with this quote because of what is said about lukewarmness here. The words that are used about lukewarmness is that it is said to be wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. These are some pretty confronting words that are used here. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And yet we see what has led to them being these things is their lukewarmness, their apathy. And where has that come from? It's come from their affluence and their comfort that they have in their life. These have been things that probably unintentionally have led to, uh, to lukewarmness. Now, these extreme words that are used here, I find them personally very confronting because of the amount that I see parallels between our society here in Australia and the society of the Laodiceans back then. Now, I've sat in, uh, in, in many messages and different things where, um, where I've been, been told that in Australia, we are within the, the top few percent of the wealthiest people in, in the world. And, um, and I accept this. I, I understand that. Um, but I've always walked away from, from things like that and, and hearing that, not really knowing what to do with that. Have I just needed to walk away from, uh, from hearing that and then just feeling guilty is the end result that I should be selling every single thing and living on the street. Um, now, my, my goal this morning, I, I hope you, you understand this. My goal this morning is not that you would walk away feeling guilty for living in Australia, which is, we have to be honest, this is a fairly wealthy country comparatively to the rest of the world. My goal is not to make you feel guilty, but to help all of us to be on guard against what wealth and affluence can lead to, which is apathy. Affluence, if unchecked, it leads towards apathy, towards spiritual, eternal things. Why? Because our physical needs have been met. And this is the criticism that Jesus has for the Laodiceans. Apathy is something that we in our society as followers of Jesus here, we need to constantly be on guard against because Jesus has strong words to say about it. He calls it wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I wonder if you could uh, relate to being apathetic to, to eternal things at times. Um, if I'm being very honest, I know I can relate to this at, at times. My natural inclination is to become, the natural inclination in my human self 
is to become carefree about my relationship with with Jesus. Yes, I pray and read my Bible and, and go to church, but because I have every physical need met, I'm far less inclined towards crying out to God to be there for me and to provide for me. Because of this, in our society, we can often be more inclined towards missing out on some of the true riches that God has to offer us. And we see that it is Jesus who offers us greater riches than anything that this world physically has to offer us. Because in verse 18, we see these wonderful words. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. The attitude that the Laodiceans have towards their physical wealth is something that is hindering their effectiveness and them experiencing the true riches that Jesus offers them. They have eyes that are blinded to the spiritual things because in a physical world they have everything that they need, missing out on the true riches of Christ. Um, second last thing that we see throughout this uh, throughout this passage is in verse 19, which is that Jesus loves those that he disciplines. And this is a really important thing for us to see in this passage because we really begin to see Jesus' heart behind the message for the Laodiceans. It might seem like this is just a really hard, harsh letter to this church um, because of their lukewarmness. But what we see here is that the reason that Jesus is uh, is giving this word to them, the reason that there is this message for the church in Laodicea is because Jesus loves them. He is like a parent who is disciplining his children in this moment. He is pulling them up and helping them understand what they are not doing right so that they can uh, um, experience the riches that Christ has to offer. He does what is necessary for the good of his children. Uh, the love that Jesus has for this church, um, we, we really do see it's demonstrated in the following verse, which says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus, he is waiting for our response. He was waiting for the Laodiceans to turn and, uh, and come back to him to stop seeing the things of the world as better than the things that Jesus has to, to offer. He is calling them to understand the riches that he offers are far more valuable than the things of this world. And today, just to close out our time together, I just want to give you an opportunity to come before God again and, uh, and see his riches, see the things that he offers us as far better than the things of this world. And so we're going to be singing a song now called I Come to the Altar. And as we sing this song, I just invite you to remain seated as we sing this um, and allow it to, um, the words to just, uh, to just wash over you um, as you, you think about coming to God afresh once again 
coming before the altar where there are true riches to be found, um, far greater than anything that this world has to offer us. So remain seated as this song is uh, is being played by the team. Um, and as they come up right now, I just want to pray for, for us as we close out our time together. So God, we do pray that we will be people who will know the riches, the true riches that are found in Christ, that we will not see the things of this world as uh, as all that there is, but we will understand that there are eternal things going on all around us, even right now. And Lord, would you help us to not see the things of this world as, uh, as more beautiful or wonderful than they are, but we will, would you help us to see the things that you have to offer us, the riches that you offer are greater than any in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.